Are you ready, ready? We ready. Me ready, man. You are listening to the Energy Man. And oh, this wait. is Tree Song. This is your community spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of friends. That's you. The circle of family. That's us. The circle of being. That's the world. I'm just making stuff up now. <laughs> Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to your community spirit. And we are live, slightly, <laughs> loco, a lot. And we're going to talk about the trouble in the world. And we're not talking about the political system. <laughs> yeah. World's largest carbon producers face landmark human rights case. The world's largest oil, coal, cement, and mining companies have been given 45 days to respond to a complaint that their greenhouse gas emissions have violated the human rights of millions of people living in the Philippines. Yeah, so they've literally been put on notice. <laughs> in a potential landmark legal case, the Commission on Human Rights of the Philippines, CHR, a constitutional body with the power to investigate human rights violations, have sent 47 carbon majors, including Shell, BP, Chevron, BHP, Billiton, and Angelo American, a 60-page document accusing them of breaching people's fundamental rights to, quote, life, food, water, sanitation, adequate housing, and to self-determination, end quote. <laughs> yeah, they're not pulling any punches. You know, our legislators, when they work on stuff like this, they pull out of punches. They say, well, maybe you lied a little bit about something. They're like, well, I like no. how we synopsize that in a 60 page thing into like a punch in the face, <laughs> half a sentence. Yeah. The move is the first step in what is expected to be an official investigation of the companies by the CHR and the first of its kind in the world to be launched by a government body. The complaint argues that the 47 companies should be held accountable for the effects of their greenhouse gas emissions in the Philippines and demands that they explain how human rights violations resulting from climate change will be, quote, eliminated, remediated, and prevented, end quote. They're not asking for much, are they? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit there. It calls for an official investigation into human rights implications of climate change and ocean acidification. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an acid. Acidification and whether the investor-owned, quote, carbon majors. I wonder where that comes from. They're producing major amounts of carbon. Yeah, I guess they're the major producers of the carbon they are in breach of their responsibilities. So yeah, well, this this is exciting for me to see because I, I mean, this is what I've been interested. You don't in. sound very excited. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm still half asleep. <laughs> but like, you know, it, wake up. <laughs> yeah, it's just that the actions that these corporations have taken have caused the harms that they're describing in this document. So I'm surprised it's taken this long for governments to actually say. You've caused these harms to our people. You need to do something about it. But it's finally happening. And what kind of harms? Of all the harms it's describing from, uh, let's see here, the, uh, well, the Philippines is an uh, archipelago of more than 7,000 islands, 
and it's one of the most vulnerable countries in the world to climate change. Four of its most devastating supercyclones have occurred in the last decade, and the country has recorded increasingly severe floods and heat waves that have been linked to man-made global warming. Typhoon Haiyan, locally known as Yolanda, was one of the most powerful storms ever recorded, killing more than 6,000 people and displacing 650,000 others in 2013. So these aren't minor things like you broke my window. You know, this is thousands and thousands of lives that have been taken and affected just in one country. And of course, you know, it's in legal terms, I'm sure it's going to be hard to calculate exactly what the damages are because you can say, well, storms have always happened. Um, in insurance terms, it's pretty <laughs> cut and dry. Mm. I mean, if you want to talk to an organization that doesn't have any political leanings at all, talk to an insurance company on how much of these are, you know, man-caused. Yeah, because they've got, like, actuary tables and they've got ways of determining. I'm sure that if you just tell them, okay, climate change made it two and a half times more likely for this storm to happen, they will just punch that into their formulas and have a number right for you right there. So uh, this legal complaint has been brought by uh, typhoon survivors and non-governmental organization and is supported more than, by more than 31,000 Filipinos. Quote, We demand justice. Climate change has taken our homes, our loved ones. These powerful corporations must be called to account for the impact of their business activities. End quote. Said Elma Reyes from the Alabat Island in... Kazan, who survived Super um, Typhoon back in 2008 and is a part of the group submitting this complaint. So, and it's more than a complaint, it's a legal document. Yeah. 60 pages. I like how we synopsized it, or we, um, how it's been synopsized. Breaching people's fundamental rights to, quote, life, food, water, sanitation, adequate housing, and to self-determination. Yeah. And those are some very serious charges. We will definitely follow that story, see what happens when they uh, go forward with the investigation. And also if any other countries start doing this, too. I actually kind of have this vision that by the end of it, the... Uh, the fossil fuel companies may be saying, look, let's just do one single global case. We're, otherwise, we're going to get sued by 200 different countries. <laughs> just like, We'd rather just lump it all together. Well, they had one island already cave, right? And mm -hmm. so this is another island nation, but a little bit bigger island nation going after them. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that if they're offered a decent amount of money, they'll cave also because, you know, they need the money. So we'll see. I mean, this is a very strongly worded complaint. Yeah, this is yeah. This is as it mentions. This is the first time a government body has done something of this kind. You know, with this strong wording, this strong of consequences. So we'll see what comes of it. In other climate-related news, high chance that current atmospheric greenhouse gases commit to warmings greater than one point five degrees Celsius over land. Current levels of atmospheric greenhouse gas concentrations already commit the planet to air temperatures over many land regions, being eventually warmed by greater than 1.5 degrees Celsius. According to new research published today, uh, well, a day or two ago, in the journal Scientific Reports. The results of the new study have implications for international discussions of what constitutes safe global temperature thresholds, such as 1.5 degrees or 2 degrees Celsius of warming since pre-industrial times. Those are two of the values that were discussed heavily during the recent Paris Climate Summit. They said they were going to aim for 1.5, uh, 
and definitely do no more than two. Well, it looks like we're hitting 1.5 already. The expected extra warming over land will influence how we need to design some cities. It could also impact on the responses of trees and plants and including crops. The research was carried out by scientists from the UK's Centre for Ecology and Hydrology and the University of Exeter, UK. Research team found two main reasons behind the results. First, even if it was possible to keep carbon dioxide concentrations fixed at their current 400 parts per million, then the planet would continue to warm towards a new equilibrium at higher temperatures. So it takes time for these effects to, the effects of carbon emissions to translate into temperature changes. So at the present, the climate is out of equilibrium with oceans drawing down very large amounts of heat from the atmosphere. However, this will decline as the planet is brought toward a stable climatic state. Second, warming rates over land are far higher than those when averaged globally, which includes temperature over the oceans. This is a feature observed in meteorological measurements and reproduced across a large suite of climate models. So if part of what we're concerned about is if we're concerned about 1.5 degrees Celsius affecting human cities and ecosystems on land, then we have to look at how much is the land going to warm. So if the land is going to warm 1.5 degrees Celsius, then we're in a bit of trouble, aren't we? I didn't hear about this in any anywhere. Yeah, this I didn't hear about this until last night. This was not covered at all in, that I know of in the major mainstream corporate media. 10,000 march in Philly calling for a clean energy revolution. As the temperatures were extremely high over the weekend, people were marching. In fact, on the eve of the Democratic National Convention, Independence Halls was the literal designation of a march to declare our independence from fossil fuels. In spite of the dangerous heat, or maybe precisely because there are now simply way more many extremely hot days like this one, marchers showed up in huge numbers and they brought with them a revolutionary frame of mind. Convened by Pennsylvania's Against Fracking and the Americans Against Fracking, the March for a Clean Energy Revolution attracted more than 10,000 people and was endorsed by more than 900 environmental health, labor, political, faith, justice, indigenous, and student organization groups from all 50 states of the Union. The day kicked off with a press conference at City Hall that featured local and national advocacy leaders as well as individuals from communities decimated by various fossil fuel extraction, transport, and storage projects. Altogether, these speakers called on current and future elected leaders to ban fracking, keep fossil fuels in the ground, stop energy, well, stop dirty energy, transition to 100% renewable energy, and ensure environmental justice for all. Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> well, and it's, I, I am, well, I shouldn't be surprised. I am surprised that we didn't hear about this more earlier. 10,000 people marching for, for clean anything. energy revolution. Yeah. You would think they would have a little bit in the news about that. Yeah. They're, they must have been too busy covering the uh, fracking salesperson who was speaking inside of the Democratic <laughs> National Convention. All right, in other news, sun-powered airplane completes historic trip around the world. 
The trip had mechanical setbacks, and on the plane's average speeds, it would be legal on many American streets. <laughs> was the mechanical setback that, you know, there was no sun for a few days? <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, or, you know, I, I may have been, I haven't been following the story closely enough. Maybe they had a loose tire or something. <laughs> but when the Solar Impulse aircraft touched down in Abu Dhabi in the early morning darkness on Tuesday, it successfully completed a round-the-world voyage using only solar power. Swiss pilots Bertrand Picard and André Borschberg took turns flying the single-seat aircraft that began its trip on March 9th of 2015. Notice that said March 9th of 2015. Yeah, so they took their so time. It, they took their time. I mean, it was like more than a year. Yeah, leisurely. Um, they weren't going for the fastest trip around the world. It was uh, 26,700 miles in a total of 17 stages, which was 23 days total. Yeah. So... As they soared under the sun's power and then glided through the night. So they did have batteries. Yeah. And that, a big part of that is very revolutionary. There's been solar-powered planes before that only flew when the sun was out. But now this flew during the day and charged batteries to then glide all night. Yeah. And so that was definitely revolutionary. Yeah, this is not only a first in the history of aviation... It's before all a first in the history of energy, Picard said. Okay, wait a second. His name's Picard? Yeah, like Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek. <laughs> it's, like... <laughs> it's, it's great. I wonder if this is an ancestor, like a great-grandfather of the Picard from the Enterprise. Uh, he does have one extra C in his name, but maybe over the generations that got left out. So uh, he says that it's a, a first in the history of energy. Here's another quote. I'm sure that within 10 years we'll see electric airplanes transporting 50 passengers on short to medium haul flights. But it's not enough, Picard added, saying that the solar technology that powered his plane can also be used on the ground to cut emissions in half. The journey earned numerous records, including the Trans-Pacific leg flown by Borschberg that took five days and nights. So imagine you're in this single pilot airplane for five days and nights. By yourself. By yourself, going across the ocean. Uh, It set a mark for the longest solo flight in any airplane according to the team behind Solar Impulse. So they set records not just for solar-powered airplanes or electric airplanes, but for all airplanes they set a record there with that five-day flight. It's an exciting look because airplane uh, airplane fuel is a very big contributor to climate change because it's even if you don't fly very often, just each flight consumes a lot of fuel, so... Anyone who's trying to work on making that process more efficient is doing something good for the climate. I wonder if they could just do like a hybrid car where it's just when you take off, which probably uses the most fuel, just like in a car, it could be electric then. Mm. You know, because, I mean, electric motor is more efficient and... um, Yeah, it's got good pickup at the start. I mean, yeah, extremely good uh, torque. Yeah, torque. And so... I mean, that's what electric cars do, you know. Um, Yeah, I wonder if that is one of the solutions they're working on. I know one of my favorite solutions, partially because I just like the idea, is um, airships. You know, having these lighter-than-air vehicles that they can actually, if you design them right, they can transport heavy loads over long distances. It's not going to go quite as fast as airplanes do currently. But if you don't need to get there in a couple of hours... Or if it doesn't cost anything to get there. Yeah, because it is much less expensive and it's much uh, more ecologically sound. The only downside is it takes a little longer. 
I've heard they're doing that with the big cargo ships. They can do that one way across the ocean. They're putting up a giant kite. <laughs> yeah. Basically a big sail, and they're towing it. I think it's from to us is the way the winds blow. And so they're, you know, basically just hooking these. And I, ha- I don't know if they're doing very many of them, but I've heard of them doing it. And, you know, of course, it cuts down majorly on fuel because the wind blows and pulls you. So Yeah. That's often how you can get people to explore these solutions is oftentimes if it's saving a ton of fuel, it's also saving them money. <laughs> you know, they may not care about the environmental impact, but if you can save them thousands of dollars in fuel, they may do it. Yeah, I mean, the basic calculation is save energy, you save pollution, and pollution is waste, and waste is lost money. Yeah. So, speaking of waste, today's National Lasagna Day, and I'm not wasting any of that. If someone makes me lasagna, (laughs) even though I'm gluten, whatever it is, not allergic, but sensitive, I would eat that. (laughs) Yep. It's like, I'm having a hard time not eating gluten. Yeah. It's like... That's hard when you're surrounded by it, and especially if someone puts a lasagna in front of you. <laughs> just like, I just have to know if I'm going to eat it, I'm going to basically get like the ultimate food coma, and I have to sleep for like an hour. Yeah, that just so if I eat it at the end of the day, I'm fine. It's like I get drunk and I pass out, and <laughs> I wake up all like hungover. Yeah. So, it's also National Cheesecake Day, Father-in-Law Day, and International Day of Friendship. So that means be a friend to your father-in-law and bring him cheesecake. <laughs> there you go. It can even be a gluten-free cheesecake. I'm sure Sorry. those are out there. Let's see. Oh, Sunday is System Administrator Appreciation Day. Yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> There's all sorts of tech stuff that goes on that you don't even know about. You know, you've got to appreciate those system administrators and other uh, IT people. It's who, also Mutt's Day, and I, uh-huh. I'm sure they're you know, yeah, they might be the same thing. <laughs> so. Well, lots of, I guess it's because of summer. There are a lot of holidays like this, right? National Raspberry Cream Pie Day coming up on Monday. I've never had one of those. I don't think I have either. Huh. I've had some of these. National Ice Cream Sandwich Day on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. It's like especially good in the winter because you can savor and take time. Yeah. They don't melt so quick. Oh, and Wednesday is National Watermelon Day. I wonder if there are going to be any watermelon at the uh, community farmer's market. Now... I don't know if you realized it, but next week is August. Yeah. And so August is Admit Your Happy Month, Family Fun Month, National Catfish Month, National Eye Exam Month, National Golf Month, Peach Month, Romance Awareness Month, <laughs> Water Quality Month, and National Picnic Month. There you go. That sounds like quite an exciting month. You've got to pack all of that into August. <laughs> And admit you're happy while you're doing it. Yeah. Let's see what we have in terms of happenings coming up. Here's a workshop we've been touting. It's Alternatives to Lawns. It's coming up on Saturday at 12.30 p.m. at the Carbondale Civic Center. And you do have to be registered for this. Yeah. And so um, there's there's a small cost, but there is a lot of local vendors and organizations and lots of workshops. And so you will get your money's worth, right? Yeah. And so the registration on the day of the event opens at 12.30 with time to view the displays. And presentations begin 1 until 5. And uh, here's a, here's a quote uh, from Sarah Hyer, Executive Director of Keep Carbonate Beautiful. 
By the end of July, people should be sick of mowing their lawns. Yeah, by the right? first week, three <laughs> yeah. days of July, I'm sick <laughs> yeah. of mowing my lawn. Right? Yeah. So now we're ready to explore the alternatives. There will be initial investments, but the goal is to use fewer resources and spend more time enjoying the fruits of one's labor. Some of the topics of presentations include landscaping 101, food forests, rain gardens, and landscaping for birds. For more information, including how to display or be a vendor or co-sponsor, you can contact Sarah at keepcb1326 at gmail or 618-525-5525 or go to the website keepcb.org and look for alternatives to lawns. Yeah, there you go. And part of what's exciting about alternatives to lawn is that there are many options for alternatives. You know, they've got the different topics of presentation and just even the titles show you how diverse of the options you have. I'm trying to get rid of my lawn, and so I'm trying to build, you know, grow a food forest. Yeah. So I planted a bunch of fruit trees, and eventually um, I hope that the lawn itself, you know, the lawn itself doesn't grow very much when there's a lot of shade. Yeah. And so that helps. And so keep going, and you know, plant some garden and stuff. So eventually I will eliminate a big part of my lawn. So Yeah. Continuing the conversation, Tuesday, August 2nd, it's August already, August 2nd at 7 p.m. at the Public Safety Building. Each week, a group of community members meets on Tuesday night for continuing the conversation. The purpose is to build an interracial community based on listening respectfully to each other's life stories. As we listen to one another, we will be building a community that strengthens our understanding and compassion for one another. In the past two weeks, the number of people attending the meetings has risen so that they've currently outgrown their meeting room at the Newman Center. The group was invited to move the meeting location down the street to the Carbondale Public Safety Building in the training room. The group's members decide to try the new for the near future. Please join them at the Carbondale Public Safety Building located at 501 South Washington Street from 7 to 9 p.m. on Tuesdays. Vehicle parking is available in the parking lot that is just south of the building. All members are welcome to attend. Yes, also coming up we have on Tuesday, the Transportic Playground is coming up on Tuesday at 8 p.m. at the Guy House. Since 2009, the freshest spoken word open mic in southern Illinois has turned Carbondale into a city of poets. It's always a fun time over there at Transportic. I've missed the past couple. I'm really hoping to make it back to this one. So hopefully I'll see you there. Downtown Community Farmers Market, Wednesdays at 3 to 6 p.m. Downtown Carbondale at the 200 block of Washington Street. That's right. They closed the street between Oak and Jackson Street near WDBX and Town Square, the Downtown Community Farmers Market, on Wednesdays from 3 to 6 p.m. until the end of October. Good times. Also coming up, this is a Mark Your Calendar. It's not coming up this weekend, but it's the following weekend. Weekend events call for a nuclear-free future now. It's the Peace Coalition Peace and Justice Vigil. It's happening on Saturday, August 6th, from noon to 1 p.m., the corner of Illinois and Maine. Also on that weekend on Sunday is the Hiroshima-Nagasaki commemoration. That's coming up on Sunday, August 7th at 5.30 p.m. at the Church of the Good Shepherd, 515 Orchard Drive. 
And uh, yeah, so we'll have more details about that next time. It's going to be the vigil is going to be focused. They're both focused on the nuclear-free future now. One is about the current crisis with nuclear weapons, and the other is commemorating the nuclear bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And if there was anything we talked about and you would like more information about it, of course, I can email you. Send me an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and let me know if you want to receive our weekly newsletter that I send out every other week, because <laughs> sometimes I forget. Yeah. Um, but basically, it's the stuff we talk about, put together the show, and we email it to each other, so we figured we might as well email it to anybody who wants it. Yeah. So you can get the links and stuff. Um. One thing that did happen this week is I put solar on this station. So. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. We didn't. I should have put it in the show notes, but we we remembered yep. to talk about it. <laughs> so now we just have to do all the paperwork. I, um, you know, get the this the city will inspect it, and then the utility will inspect it, and um, in between there'll be paperwork. So yeah, so um, it's up. It's up there. It's ready. It's just not currently running, but correct. Okay. Yep. So everything's up. Managed to. Um, Make it through um, a, a solar class at John A. Logan on Saturday in 109 degree. <laughs> people told me weather. Um, two reporter, no, two uh, TV reporters, um, three photographers, a lot of people stopping by, and uh, two sudden massive rainstorms. <laughs> And so um, it was a fun week to look back on. Yeah, fun to look back on. It sounds like <laughs> quite an adventure to get through at the time. It's like, but the end result is those panels are up there. Yep. And so. they're, they're good to go once they and get all the paper. And the best paperwork. part is people kicked in to, put, to fill up the whole roof because originally I was only donating a few. Yeah. And my suppliers kicked in and then people stepped up and kicked in and – Filled up the whole roof. Yeah. And so that's phase one. And now phase two, people are so excited to continue it. We're going to fill up the whole courtyard, the whole garden. So yeah. just as many as we can fit around here. Yeah. And um, my supplier actually kicked in and made it so we could f- put 2,000 more watts on the roof than we originally. Oh, there you go. They, they went with a p- more premium solar module. So. Yeah. Instead of 5,000 watts, there's 7,000. 7,000. There. there you go. <laughs> so so uh, a thank you to them and a thank you to all the listeners and DJs and community members who did uh, contributions to the Power of the Tower Phase 1. Looking and forward to seeing that turned on and getting on to Phase 2 also. If you would like to read more about it, wdbx.org slash solar. And um, I guess watch the news too. Cause yeah, it's going to be on the news too. Stay energized.